Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. You'll want to grab a Bible and follow along. We're in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 7. We continue through Acts chapter 20, starting at verse 7. Stay awake in church. It's time to wake up from your sleep, maybe a spiritual sleep. Listen up, learn your lessons, and get to work for the kingdom of God. Sheep and shepherds need to be awake, alert, and ready to act. Sleeping sheep. (laughs) One of my weaknesses as a pastor is I get distracted very easily. And from time to time, you know, I've been in ministry over 30-some years, I've had sheep or church members fall asleep during my message. And I'd be out there, you know, looking at them, and I'd see them with their eyes closed, their head back, their mouth open, and they'd be like... Like snoring, and I'm like, oh my gosh! And I have to physically like turn away because it just it throws me, and it kind of discourages me. And I think I must be the most horrible pastor if they could just fall asleep right in the middle of my message. And you know, I was thinking about this because this is what's going to happen to the Apostle Paul. Someone's going to fall asleep during his sermon. It's the famous uh, sleeping sheep, if you will. But the sad thing, if you fall asleep in church and you don't get the word and you don't get a touch from God and you don't get the Holy Spirit's message, because, you know, the Bible and Christianity is giving you the lessons to life. And if you don't hear the lessons, if you don't learn the lessons, then when you go out in the world, you're going to fail and you're going to mess up and little sheep get surrounded by wolves because they went where they're not supposed to go and you become like a little lamb chop, you know? And you're like, why didn't I listen to God? Why did I make this big mess? Why did I go the wrong way? And so it is important to stay awake, to listen, to receive, and to grow spiritually. And this is our topic. Wake up spiritually. Acts 27. On the first day of the week, which is Sunday, when we were gathered together to break bread, which is Holy Communion, yes, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day, and he prolonged his message until midnight. Talk about a long message. Uh, you know, in the black churches, they do what I call team tag preaching. And they'll have pastors lined up, and you just don't hear one message. They go through the whole line. You know, they high-five, you're the next one, you take my place. And the pastors can be so anointed and powerful and gifted in the black churches, and they yell it and scream it, and it's so powerful. And you're like, amen. And then now comes the next preacher and the next preacher. And you can go to church all day in the black church. And you can have some long messages like Paul is doing here. Now, the reason his message is so long is he is going to his end. He is going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to go to Rome. And he's going to be martyred. And God's told him, this is your end. 
this is your destiny. And he knows in this church that he's preaching to, he will never see them again. He has invested many years with them. He loves them. They love him. And he's going to leave them. This is his last time to share and to pray and to give messages and to do communion. And so this service is going on all day, and we're going to find out all night. And so it is now midnight, and that is a long message. Now, we find from this verse that the early church practiced worshiping Jesus on Sunday, the first day of the week, the day that he rose from the dead on Sunday. And they practiced communion regularly. Now, there are some Christians that believe it's wrong to worship on Sunday. They teach that that has been the command of the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church, and they believe the Pope is the Antichrist, and if you worship on Sunday, you receive the mark of the beast. And I'm like, what? (laughs) That's not what Revelation says. And so this is how they justify their worship on Saturday, Old Testament worship. And I say, no, 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 look at Acts right here. They're worshiping on the first day of the week because Jesus instituted it. In the book of Revelation, John calls Sunday the Lord's Day. He gets the first day of the week. He gets our first, not our last, not Sabbath anymore. That's the Old Testament worship. So I claim that this is New Testament worship from Jesus and his apostles to worship on Sunday. Verse 8. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. It was a night service. They got the candles burning, the oil, yes, for a long midnight service. And there was a young man named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill, sinking into a deep sleep. And as Paul kept on talking, he was overcome by sleep and fell down from the third floor and was picked up dead. Tragic, right in the middle of a sermon, you know. It's a communion service, no doubt. And Paul's like, oh my gosh. He fell out right through the window. I mean, the church is packed. We're not going to see Paul again. And so he's sitting in the windowsill. He's making the windowsill his seat. Now, if you ever go to our little chapel, we're going to have potluck today in the little chapel. That was our first chapel. You see, there's windows, and the seats would go right up to the window. And I used to have some church members that would come to service, open the window, look outside, stick their head out the window, listen to nature, looking outside. And as a pastor, it drove me batty. (laughs) Close the window. You know, you can't say that in front of everybody. But you know what? When we built our new chapel, guess what we don't have in our new chapel? There's no windows. (laughs) You can't look out the window. You can't open the window. You can't listen to the birds and daydream instead of listen to the message. And I've noticed that's become the norm. And all the new chapels are windowless also for uh, video and lights and, you know, movies and all this. But he's looking out the window. He falls asleep. He falls out. And he dies. Tragic. Verse 10. Well, let me tell you this about falling asleep in church. When I went to Calvary Chapel Bible College, I had a professor that would just be so frustrated 
when the students fell asleep in Bible class. And he had a class of like a hundred students, and students would stay up all night cramming for tests and doing term papers and procrastinators. And it's very common for college students to fall asleep in mandatory classes. <laughs> and he would get so frustrated. So his answer was he had a squirt bottle, kept it behind the podium, and everybody knew. And we prayed and we waited and we hoped that someone would fall asleep in class. Because it was the funniest thing. And if you fell asleep, he would keep talking, you know, so you wouldn't wake up. And he'd grab his little squirt bottle and the whole class would be silent. And he'd go up to that person. And if they were snoring or whatever, he'd squirt them like right in the mouth, in the nose, in the eyes, the ears. What's going on? What's going on? And then the person would wake up and the whole class would just roar and scream and clap. And it was the best part of his class. <laughs> Fallen asleep in church, fallen asleep in Bible study, right? Verse 10, but Paul went down and fell upon him. And after embracing him, he said, do not be troubled for his life is in him. It is a miraculous hug of life. I have seen loved ones fall upon their dead bodies of those that they've lost. I've been to the hospital and on, you know, the surgery table, the hospital table, they've died and I see the spouse on top, laying on top of them, hugging them, crying. It happens. But the great Apostle Paul has the anointing of the Holy Spirit and when he falls upon the dead boy and when he hugs him, the power of God revives him and he comes back to life again. Jesus rose the dead. The apostles are raising the dead. The church has the power of the Holy Spirit today. Verse 11. When he had gone back up and had broken the bread and eaten, in other words, finished the communion service, he talked with them a long time until daybreak. Now he's there and the sun is coming up. They have to get our questions answered. we got to say our goodbyes. Have you ever had a loved one that you knew you would never see them again? You hang on every hour, every moment. You don't want to let them go. They're going into the war, the military. They're being sent on a permanent job far away, and you know you'll never be able to see them again. They're passing away. They're on their deathbed, and you don't want to go. It's your last day with them, and you stay day and night. That's what's happening. They don't want to go until daybreak and then left. They took away the boy alive, and they were greatly comforted. He was resurrected. Their worries were gone. Raised from the dead. Verse 13 through 16 is kind of his itinerary. He is being led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is running the show in the book of Acts. You know, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is the star character, right? Jesus is everything. But he has died, resurrected, uh, appeared, ascended, gone back to heaven, and he ascended his Holy Spirit down to the church. Pentecost, right? 
The Holy Spirit now indwells us, empowers us. He guides us. He's running the show. He's setting the itinerary and the appointments for us. Who you're supposed to meet, who you're supposed to talk to, what town you're supposed to go to, where the next church is to be planted, where the Christians are to be encouraged and exhorted. The Holy Spirit here is giving this itinerary of all these places as Paul travels by land and by sea. So we'll skip to verse 17. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church, the pastors, the trustees, if you will, the the teachers, ministry leaders, right? And when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Ministry is hard. When you serve the Lord, it will cost you. Have you discovered that? I think pastors know that more than most. Ministry is hard. It will cost you blood, sweat, and tears, heartache, heartbreak. Uh, Have you been in the ministry and your heart has been broken? Sometimes when you become a Christian, people from other religions and cults will attack you. Maybe you have family members and they're not born again Christian. They're in some other religion, some other cult, and they harass you. They put you down. They make your life miserable. This is Paul. He was a Pharisee of Judaism. Now he's an apostle of Jesus Christ and the Jews plot after him, destroy him, kill him, stone him, arrest him, harass him, shout him down. And Paul has shed many tears. Ministry and serving the Lord can be tough. Verse 20, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house. I told you the truth. I didn't hold back. I gave you the things of God, the things of Scripture that will benefit you and profit you. I taught you publicly in the services. I taught you privately in the Bible studies, the home churches, one-on-one, verse 21, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God. These are core beliefs of Christianity. The core of Christianity, it came from John the Baptist in Jesus' mouth, repent. Christianity teaches you must repent of your sin, of your perversion, of your addiction, of your vice, of your habits, of your junk, right? And you turn from your sin and you turn to Christ. It's a U-turn. That's the first step. And you give it up and you put Jesus above all else, above your habits, above your past, above your junk. Jesus comes first. And we call this repentance. And Paul taught and preached repentance and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Christianity is faith. It is not good works trying to earn your salvation. This is the cults. We don't have to pound on doors and pass out magazines and go on a two-year mission. We don't have to get our prayer rug and pray three times, five times a day and bow. We don't have to crawl on cobblestones and make our knees bleed or whip ourselves and shave our head and wear the robe and play the tambourine. (laughs) We don't got to do anything except one thing. Believe. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no striving. There's no earning. There's no working. We just receive it like a gift of love and grace. That's what we preach. That's what we should teach. That, that's what we should give. Verse 22. And now behold, bound by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit keeps showing up all over the book of Acts. Do you see it? He's very gentle, but yet powerful. He's very obvious, but hidden. And he is the puppet master. He's pulling the strings. He's guiding the agenda. He's sending out the missionaries. Go here. Don't go there. Speak now. Be quiet. Get out of town. Speak boldly. Do you see it? They're bound in the Spirit. They're controlled by the Spirit. And this is us. As a Christian, you need to say, Okay, Holy Spirit, run the show. Run my life. What do you want me to say? You know, and... Sometimes I fight it. I'm sitting in the restaurant and I look at this couple and they're all beat up like they fell off a train. Because they did. They hijacked the train and fell off, you know, like hobos jumped on the train and jumped off and go. And the Holy Spirit's like, you're going to talk to them. Now you're going to buy their lunch. Now you're going to pray for them. And I'm like, oh God, I got all this stuff going on. No, this is your appointment. Change your schedule. <laughs> You know, someone comes knocking at the church. Can we have some food? The Holy Spirit says, this is your ministry. Do it. Feed them. Love them. Pray for them, you know. And the Spirit will just change your schedule. Someone crying, someone in need, someone at work, someone at home, the neighbors. And you're like, I want to avoid the neighbors. And the Holy Spirit's, no. Go talk to them right now. You know what's going on. You have to minister to them. He leads the show. We're bound by the Spirit. I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. The Holy Spirit has sent Paul, destined him to go to Jerusalem. It is the capital of Christianity, but it is dangerously the capital of Judaism. It's his roots. He was a Pharisee. He was part of their religion, and now they want to destroy him, and the Holy Spirit, you're sending me back there? They're going to, like, kill me. They are going to arrest him. He's going to appeal to Caesar and then be shipped to Rome and be martyred. It is the beginning of his end. He is destined to Jerusalem, just like Jesus was. That's where the Sanhedrin had the courts, right? The trials, and they whipped him, and they crucified him. They killed Jesus in Jerusalem. Jesus was bound and predestined to go to Jerusalem. He wouldn't let anyone stop him, just like Paul. Verse 23, 
except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me there. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, he spoke to Paul through prophecy, through word of wisdom. I mean, one prophet even wrapped his hands up, I think with a belt, and he says, whoever owns this belt is going to be bound. You know, Jerusalem is your demise. Oh, man. I want God to speak to me, but only positive things, you know. (laughs) But can I tell you, sometimes when God gives you a word, uh, tells you the future, reveals his plan, it's not always positive. Sometimes it's rebuke. Sometimes it's an encouragement. Sometimes it's, it's a punishment. Sometimes it's a negative for his glory. Uh, shaking a, a church member's hand, and while I'm talking to him, shaking his hand, the Holy Spirit, who hardly ever does this to me, whispered in my ear and said, this man is going to die. I did not tell him, nor his wife, nor his little boy, but a month later I was doing his funeral at the Lollard Event Center, prominent person. He had a heart attack like at 45 The Holy Spirit can reveal things that we don't want to know. 24. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus. This is deep. I don't consider my life more valuable than Christ. Why well, am I going to serve the Lord? I don't want to go to church. Life's too, I'm too busy. Life's, my life's too valuable. Oh, why should I give it all up and I'm going to become a Christian or a missionary? I mean, I'm not going to invest my life in that. My life is too valuable to me. You see, Paul humbled himself. Jesus, I put you before my own life. I value you more than I value me. Do you see it? That I may finish my course. Have you ever heard that? Stay the course. Don't turn back. Get back on track. Get back up. No, I'm giving up. The church split. They broke my heart. The Christian burned me. My life fell apart. I lost my job, my family. I'm mad at God. I lost my baby. Stay the course. Get back up. Get back on track. Don't let the devil pull you from the path. Don't abandon the plow. Go forward. Don't retreat. Stay the course. Do you see Paul saying this? He's getting near the end. Can I admit, you know, pastors get discouraged and down. Years ago, I went through just a horrible spiritual attack. And I said, God, I don't need this. I'll liquidate everything. I'll quit the church. I'll move to Hawaii. I'll live on the beach. (laughs) I'll make a new life. And I was talking to a pastor friend. You know, I don't need all this heartbreak and pain. And he said, John, I have a word from the Lord for you. Tell me two words. Finish well. Finish well. You're going to just run away? You're just going to run from all your problems? You're going to give up on God and the ministry and the church? God says, finish well. Get back on. 
get back on the ship, get back on the horse that bucked you off, right? Get back into your giftings and your calling. And you receive this calling, this ministry from the Lord Jesus. You didn't receive it from men. God gave you a natural gift, a natural talent, a spiritual gift, a special calling, and you know that ability is from God, and Jesus called you to it, not people not a church, not a denomination, not men. Jesus called you to it. Get back to work. To testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. We give good news. Can I encourage you, don't do doom and gloom. You're all going to die and go to hell. No, no. Give them the gospel, the good news. God loves you. He has a plan for you. Jesus sacrificed his life. He came to save you. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.